we're all about to come alive. We're all about to come alive in our life calling, in our place in Christ. It's, we're about to experience fruitfulness that we've dreamed of. And the beauty of it is it's going to spring up from within. And we don't have to worry about it being a, a, a collaboration of a group of people holding a certain plan. In fact, it's going to be eternal life springing up, like righteousness that springs up, like all of the intent, because we've already been positioned in Christ for this last great expression of a glorified church. And it's not by might nor by power, but by Holy Spirit. Mountains will be moving, and the shouting of grace will bring the fulfillment. Because as we introduce the idea, and I don't, not in any hurry to get us off, I, I believe this is a, this like the greatest fulfillment of a promise. It's a God-remembering moment where he now says, it's time to bring about what I spoke when it could only be heard in a whisper and seen afar, but now it's a, I'm bringing it forth intentionally. Uh, the branch that started a vision that really came alive in this whole last year. Isaiah chapter 4 tells us that uh, the branch will be uh, beautiful and glorious. It will uh, bring forth fruitfulness into the earth. Isaiah chapter 11 talks about the branch comes out of the stem of Jesse, out of the root of Jesse, uh, the seed of David. And is the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him. This is all the glorified Christ. And we'll take time to keep teaching this. And that's what Sunday, the next Saturday morning's for. Is to try to, to begin to unlock the truth that is, it's a, been a promise God made. It's very clearly seen in scripture. It's referenced and it's, but now there's a lot of fulfillment. Because it's speaking of the glorified King Priest Jesus. Uh, Zechariah 3 talks about that in this branch that's brought forth and the seven spirits of God, there, there comes the removal of iniquity in one day. And that took place over 2,000 years ago when Christ came back alive, when he was raised from the dead. Justification came all upon the earth and all iniquity had been removed. Yes, we don't see it yet, but there's coming the day when fruition and it says, every man will bring, invite his neighbor under his, under his vine, under his vineyard, under his fig tree. There'll be hospitality and life being exchanged. Again, we don't see that. But what a perfect backdrop for Jesus to begin to glorify himself in his bride throughout the earth in a time when there's such fear and such conflict and such accusation and hatred. And then in uh, Zechariah 6, we get the simple picture that he has rule and authority, a glorious crown sitting on the throne. He, has the, he is a priest he's ruling from a throne. As a king, he's ruling from a throne. The king, priest, priest, king, anointing. Melchizedek, king of righteousness. You are my high priest when I call you Melchizedek, my king of righteousness. So all of this imagery is for today. And it is, and you read... And we'll get familiar with these verses and promises. They're all always pre-millennial. They're like, they, they top, start talking about millennial truths, millennial realities. Like in Isaiah chapter 11, after we've, the branches described and then the seven spirits of God described, then you begin to come to the place where peace starts to rest in unpredictable or, or unnatural ways. A little child will play with a cobra. You see, ever since Noah left the ark, God put the fear of animals, the fear of man into all of creation. And there's going to be a recovery of that where man, you know, it wasn't fair for God to say to, the, to man, Noah, hey, from now on, because of the, what just took place to the earth, you're going to need to eat meat. You're going to need to eat meat to get some of the nutrients that are not available now as I had it. We're not going to get the water from the earth. It's going to come from the sky. The earth has been tipped on its axis. You're going to have, it's just, it's so you're going to need to eat meat. But don't drink the blood because inside the blood is the soul. The soul of the creation. It, that's why bloods cannot be drank. So, but eat the meat. And when you do, then just don't drink the blood. 
And that's how we learned our modern-day Western way of if you butcher, or butcher an animal, you hang it upside down. Or however, you drain the blood out of the body because in the blood is the life. The life is in the blood. The soul is in the blood. So he, so he says, I'm going to have to make the animals afraid of you because I'm not going to have you just slaughtering. I mean, it's got to give a... a, a, a it's got to be... God is always making things in such a way that their transitions are, are just in the way they happen. They don't look fair often, but they are just when they, they go into that next season. So, praise you, Jesus. I want to I take us to abundant life in Jesus Christ, because this is what we're talking about. And I'm going to go to John 10 today. John 10 is like reading today Romans 8. Like no, like Genesis 8, it reminded me of Matthew 8 when Jesus comes off the mountain and next thing you know, everybody has got miracle after miracle, people seeking help, people being brought into freedom and breakthrough. Uh, it's very much like Job. Uh, one thing I noticed in Job, and I will give you permission, is sometimes you, you know, one of the friends will take a whole chapter of an accusation, and I found myself this week going, well, I want to hear what Job said, because there's a lesson in all of this. It's not a lesson of how to win an argument or influence friends. <laughs> Nothing works on this. It's more of just, I think, an opportunity to flesh out all our feelings that we all feel, all our questions that we all go through, and all those efforts to try to control God and force him into our little Pigeon, pigeonhole idea. But I had to read on and say, I want to hear what Job, and Job takes two chapters, and the next, you know, it, it's, it's uh, transforming. But one thing that I felt, again, because we're launching in a Bible reading for our new year, I wrote it in the little overview for this week that came out this morning, is that Reading the Bible isn't to gain knowledge. It's to experience God. And, and the words are living, and they don't have to be fully understood. They're more like, like as they were described, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't really understand how my body digests food. I, I probably have better knowledge than I did when I was a teenager. At least I try to observe certain foods a little more or less than I used to when I was just didn't care. I could eat anything. But it's energy. It's life for my mortal body. Well, this is for your spirit. This is for your, uh, who we are. So here's an important thing. And I, I felt it this morning waking up and it, us traveling yesterday. We didn't, I didn't get to do my Bible reading. But I really felt like the Lord said, I don't want you to go back and try to catch up two days of reading. I just want you to eat today's meal. And so I want to say to you, if you miss a day, don't go back unless you want to. If you have the freedom to, I mean, I do that. But it's not so much important of accumulating the knowledge of God as it is to allow the words of God that are set to influence your life and be surprised every day that this Bible is really alive. And even though somebody like me who has no ability to come up with a plan just came up with a simple idea and we worked the math, and we're, so we're reading set scriptures, set chapters. Ah, it's not me. I promise you, every time you read, God's going to talk to you. Because this book's alive. It's not, it's not an information. It's not a catalog. And it's not a law. It's living. It's so living that it became flesh. And he dwelt among us. So just allow those be part of your prayer time because when I if I can't like I said in our, we had, like I said we had well 15 of us in two condominiums and 15 of us in one floor six grandkids all and so it's not like I had a place to go do my prayer that I get to enjoy when I'm by myself so I I again have noticed that if I don't know what to pray just read the Bible out loud to God just start to read and let oh yeah, I agree with those words. Those are my words, too. Yes and amen to those words. And the life that is in the word starts to connect, and the connection begins to make union, and the union that is in our, already ours in Christ starts to come alive. So, John chapter 10, verse 1. 
Father, I ask you by your spirit, so perfect spirit given to us through Jesus Christ, his exaltation, the promise of the Father, he poured him out. You are here to announce to us everything that God the Father has, that God, that Jesus has been given. Jesus has all the Father has. And we need your help. We do not look at the circumstances that we're standing in the middle of, fighting our way through. We stop. stop. It is right for us to pause, honor you, to worship you. But now we want to hear you. We do not want this life to be defined by where we are, what we're doing, what's being done to us, what we're walking through, but what you are speaking to us, the words of life. So we're asking you come. Come and make alive the abundant life that Jesus brought us. Yes, Holy Spirit, thank you. Father, thank you so much that you're in this. You're up, you are over us, above us, in us, and through us all. And so we ask this movement of uninterrupted union in Christ to come alive in every living member. We're asking for a big thing, but it's not outside the Bible. Where every live member is growing up into the head, and from the head, every member is dispersing the gift and life of God, Jesus And then the church is growing up, the members by everybody doing their part. Love is exploding. Thief and all that he sought to do and done. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Blessings. Romans 8. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus speaking, he who does not enter the he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and they leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he does go he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus used this parable, illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Just like the branch is an adage, an adage of of an image uh, to help us understand God the Son and the Spirit. Now we're learning about God the Son as a shepherd. So he gives us a picture. And then he begins, Jesus said to them again, as he would, take a parable. Now let me unpack it. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever, and he said to them, whoever came before me, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. We've been all waiting for all eternity for the Son of God to become the Son of Man, to be glorified, to be the Son of God, the great shepherd of the sheep. And we kind of know this. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. Believe in our heart. We are saved. But it's more than just that it's now become like a stamp and will go in and out and find pasture. We are a people that are not fixed in salvation, but living in relationship. And in this seasons with the Lord, we will go in to feed. We will go out to go forward. We will follow him into new horizons. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So we've all experienced the thief, and he is active. He's a terrorist. He is completely defeated and has no authority. But there are many places that a regime has been 
taken down, but it doesn't stop acting out its terror. And so is Satan. He steals, he tries to kill and to destroy. Yet the Lord is the one who defends, he is the one who redeems, and he is the one who resurrects. So he's saying, I've got life abundantly. Now, when he uses the word life, he uses the word zoe. We're familiar with it. A lot of kids named Zoe. That is eternal life. That's, a, that's living. That's, that's God life. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So we're speaking, again, the Lord wants to reference that what's about to be is made possible by me. I'm about to do something that will change the relationship of mankind to God. And by doing so, um, it's because I'm willing, and this is my assignment, my earth assignment. The good shepherd gives his life. That word is suke, where we get the word psychology, where we get the word soul. We are born into this earth. First Adam was made a living soul. We're all familiar with our soul because that's who we are. That's the, the uniqueness of who I am, how I feel, how I think, my traits, my, my gifts, my, my, uh, my tendencies, good or bad. It's my, it's my soul. My soul's being saved in my following after the Lord. And the, the, the trouble with the abundant life, we all want the abundant life, is you have to lay down your life to get it. That's the hardest thing. And it's so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive that Jesus takes a whole chapter to try to introduce, or John recounts his story in such a way that we could go, oh, we're in a different kingdom, that we're having to live in a different set of values and the manifestation, and we're going to follow Jesus in the way he followed the Father. So he goes on, he says, I'm the good shepherd, I give my life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them or snatches them is another word. It's the capacity all of a sudden someone's just, they're, they're going along but because the wolf comes and there's nothing, no one there to stand in front of that. Paul addressed that in, in to the Ephesus Ephesian elders. He said, after, after I depart, I know that there are going to be ravenous wolves that will come up from within you, within the midst of you, seeking to pull disciples after themselves. You can always tell we're in a dangerous territory when people begin to say, follow me in the direction I'm going, or this is the direction I'm pointing to. It's not giving that freedom of the Spirit of God to lead each of us unit individually, but collectively as one. So he says they're going to... The, the hireling flees because he's a hireling and he does not care about the sheep. He's there for the money. He's doing the work because it's the, what is his job. It's not even that it's necessarily unfair that he is being like a bad person. It's just he's not the one who owns the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And now all of this is about this relationship of abundant life. So if we keep keep the topic is, I'm come to give you abundant life. You've been living under the kingdom of the thief, but I want to teach you the kingdom of mine, the good shepherd, the abundant life. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. And the word know is gnosko. It means to experience. I have experienced my sheep. My sheep have experienced me. This is where the new birth begins and salvation continues and has an unlimited yet not touched to the uttermost opportunity of salvation. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now here we're beginning, and I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the Bible, reading the, allowing the entirety of the Scripture, because then you don't, you realize how much, I have realized how much I've been following doctrines trendy thoughts, and honestly, the ones I'd like to agree with. I like the idea of a kingdom without suffering. I like the idea of a throne without a cross. I like the idea of, you know, just abundant life without a thief. 
But here we are. So he says, I know my father. My father knows me. I, have, I am the son sent, born of a virgin, living in union, the last Adam. And I'm in where the first Adam failed. I am in fellowship with my father. I know my father. My father knows me. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now here's the problem. That's where we begin with Jesus. He said, they know me and I know them. I, and you're going to know me as I know you. And Romans, John 14, later he makes this crazy statement. He says, at the resurrection, you're going to know that I am in the Father. You are in me and I'm in you. So the union is receiving the truth the Scripture states and allowing the truth of the Scripture to speak against the lies of the circumstances and not allow the circumstances to speak and accuse God as not being faithful or good and questioning where we are. And that's what faith is, allowing the words of truth to be received as an accepted, I accept this revelation, I accept what you're saying. Let me, let me show you something. And if we can hold our place, we'll go back to, we'll start again at uh, verse 15. But if you'll take us, Barb, to Isaiah 53, 1. We looked at this last week. And again, I wish I could start at the glorified Christ. But I can't. I get to start with that I suffer with him. That I might also reign with him. That I have been made by the new birth an heir of God, just as he was. But now to become a joint heir with Jesus Christ... I will have to walk with him and respond to life as allowing his life to respond instead of the way I would respond to avoid the conflicts. I'm going to learn to be an overcomer and that abundant life follow. So in Isaiah, listen to these words. These, this is the Jesus that no one could recognize because he's not what appears to be salvation because of the whole substitution he had been set in part to be. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? There's not this report of Jesus, this testimony, and this arm of God, this Lord coming to bring salvation through his Son. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Before the branch the resurrected, glorified, seated Messiah at the right hand, exalted. He had to start off as that little tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He carries no worldly powers, no worldly charisma, no worldly ways. He is God coming in flesh, and he's not operating in any of the contamination that is taken, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life. But this morning, as I'm meditating, because I'm asking the Lord, Father, what, if you're, what you're saying, you have to do, and I have no ability to even know how it would happen or how do we position our hearts so we can allow it to happen. And he showed me these little words. Uh, he shall grow up before him. The secret, a secret to being able to enter into abundant life by laying down our soul life is that we have to do it before him. We grow up before him. We get up in the morning. So happy. Good morning, Father. Jesus, it's so good to be with you. Thank you again for everything you accomplished. I receive it. Holy Spirit, welcome. I love your help. I need your help. I want to be led today. Like Romans 8. Many as are led by the Spirit. They are the sons and matured ones of God. And I'm going to live before you, Father. I'm going to go have breakfast. I'm going to then, you know, do what comes before me. I'm going to spend my time before you. I'm not going to pray to try to feel something. I'm going to pray to talk to someone. I'm going to allow the Scriptures to describe to me who you are. I'm going to accept the truth that are in the Scripture. We're just going to be together, and you're, I want to grow up before you. So yes, that's going to be, in some points, I will look kind of silly to others, and other times I'll look weak to some, and to others I'll be frightened at the situation. I'll be frightened at times because I'm learning to trust you for everything and rely upon you in every way and let your words be life to me. But that's what I want to do because I'm, I'm, I'm being trained up. Though he was a son, yet he learned 
how to hear God's voice, under God's voice, by the things he went through. And though we are all now sons, we will learn obedience to listen and hear under God's voice by the things we go through. So you can't, we cannot, I don't get to just get revelation without tribulation. I wish I did. If I'd known that, I probably had, would have said, no, thank you, I've had enough revelation for today. But revelation, I've told many, is like a drug. And if it was a drug, it would be like cocaine. It, it picks you up, lifts you high, you see far and wide, and all of a sudden you're empowered like no one ever imagined. And before you know it, you're telling Jesus what he ought to do. Like, like, like you know, Matthew 16, when Peter. But it, it's, it's, it is the most important thing, because without the revelation, who, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? If we, don't, if we don't have that connection, we have no capacity to go into the journey. But with revelation comes tribulation, just like with the kingdom comes tribulation and patience. You've got to read the fine print. It's all in the Bible. Yeah, I want kingdom. Well, here comes tribulation and a little patience so you can learn to live in the midst of the Spirit and righteousness, peace, and joy. Happy days. And the stronger a person we are, the more we will probably have a path of life designed to take that strength out of us. Unless we conclude at some point, oh, this is impossible. God would never allow these things to happen. Then God will send our friends and point out the only reason your life's not working is because you're not doing the right thing. And obviously you're doing something wrong because God only blesses good people and he never hurts any good people. And so all of that is, in, is part of the journey Jesus walked through. And it's the journey that we're walking through. That's what suffering is. It's not substitution. His sub suffering was substitution, meaning I'm taking your place to pay your price to bring you into a new creation. My sub suffering is identification because I'm hanging out with the dude because I'm following him. Because the adversary hates me and has said his, and, and he knows he has access to me. You say, well, how does the devil have access to you? Wherever pride is, he got you. Isn't that what, even the man with the revelation, which was Peter, at the, right as the garden of Gethsemane is in there, and he's using everything inside of him, his full emotional dedication. I will never leave you. I don't care what everybody else does. I'm ready to die. I'll go to prison. He's just willing his way. Have you ever done that? I'm just going to will my way into this victory. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm sorry. Satan has demanded you to sift you. But I prayed for you that you do not fail, that your faith will not fail. So Satan has access. That's how he got to Job. It's pride. Job had this whole system where he, did, he, he, he was managing everybody. He managing God, managing his kids, had everybody in place. It was all safe, all wonderful, beautiful. Did you know the entire book of Job? Job is never told by God that the things you have experienced was because Satan did them to you. Because God isn't going to waste the, 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 the dog that's pushing the sheep into a new place and give him credit for anything. He's just doing what he's meant to do, which is to test people, to try people, to afflict people, to try to, and God says, well, that's part of everything in us. We would like, we do the same. We would like to control everything. So I'm going to allow those things to happen, and they're going to find their way by what I carry. So my pride's going to attract not only Satan, it attracts God's attention. I'm sorry about this. This full gospel message is starting to wreck me. God says, I'm going to oppose you. Every time pride is coming up in the midst of what you're about to do, even if it's for me, <laughs> I'm going to have a bit of pride in my kingdom. And don't worry, you don't have to try to get rid of it. I'll just abase you. Basement living, I call it. Because until you, and, and so this is this journey, this a root growing before him. So how do you, you, you start to have to shift? Abundant life mindset is, 
I live before God. I'm going through whatever I'm going through. But in the midst of it, I am engaged in a life transference happening. My soul is being saved. I'm releasing. And here, let's go back now to uh, uh, John 15, or John 10, 15. Because Jesus gives us the insight. And again, to become a part of the branch, letting the manifestation of life, of abiding in the vine, we're going to have to grow up as tender plants before him. Roots out of dry ground. Look, just don't fit. But we have to find that kingdom place of joy. The Father knows me even as I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. When it says lay down, it means to, it's a passive word. It's like a horizontal. It's like you can use it as uh, lay in Zion, a, a stone. It, it can be laying, uh, being laid as uh, he's building the temple, the living uh, temple, and we're being put together. It's, it's, a, it's a, I'm kind of, I'm going to submit to God in this situation. It's not submitting to the devil, but you can't resist the devil until you submit to God. So you have to always let God have full access to everything until you start to know what to do with what you're in. That's why Romans 8 says that God's always going to help us with the Holy Spirit because we don't really know what to pray for. So the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my soul for the sheep. The other sheep and other sheep I have are not of this field. That's us. Uh, them I also must bring. Then they will hear my voice. So we begin to know that hearing the voice of God is, is primary to knowing God. Without the voice of God, it's questionable whether we know God. It's like, I have all kinds of information about our president, but not one relationship engagement with him. You say, well, I, I have sound bites. I have descriptions. I even have uh, uh, ideas of others telling us what he's doing, but I can't, I don't know him. And if I went to the it went to the White House and came and said, I got to have a talk with my president. They said, well, who are you? And I could say, well, I'm a citizen of the United States. Well, great, that's worked up the channels. And this is in the kingdom. It's kind of like, you know, the sons of Sceva going, well, we found the greatest deliverance tool that we've ever heard. It's the name of Jesus. We'll get demons out faster and more powerful than we've ever done before. Let's try that name. And so they say, we, by the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, come out of this man. And the demon says, well, I know Jesus. <laughs> and I've heard about Paul. But who are you? And they realize right then, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. I'm in, I'm in something I don't want to be. And that one man jumps on seven exorcists and strips them of their clothes and they flee out of the house. So there's this knowing, being known, the voice of the Lord. And other sheep will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father. Now here's the secret. If there was one that Jesus was describing. Because he's living this out every single day. You're living out as a mother, as a father, as a brother, as a, an employer, employee, as a citizen of the United States of America. You're living out this system of exchange. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Therefore, my father loves me that I lay down my life that I may take it again. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life. I go... I, I submit myself to God in this situation. I do not uh, fight for my rights. I don't demand my opinion be heard. I don't try to control the outcome. I lay it down. My suke. That I might take it again. This is how the abundant life is given to the laid down life. Without a laid down life, there can be no abundant life to whatever level. Uh, you, certainly, if you have ultimate control over a little thing, you can ultimately control that little thing, so that little thing can't touch you. But that's not abundant life. That's not trust, rest, experiencing whatever. We're going to win. I'm in God. He's going to take care of me. It says, no one takes it from me. This is really important. No one can, the word take means like take it and sail it away. 
You ever just felt like, oh, the Shulamite? I'm, I'm all in following the Lord. Next thing you know, fear gets a hold of my soul and I rip off in another direction. That's being taken. My life, I, I don't have control of. No one can do that to me because I have the authority or power, but it's really the word exousia. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to receive it again. Labano, the word receive. So picture it like this. Jesus is saying, I am not being ruled by the conflicts of others controlling me. I'm choosing to submit to God in some unjust situations so others can have life. Let the, the stronger bear the infirmity of the weak. I don't come to please myself. I didn't come to have people serve me. I came to serve. I came to be a sacrifice. Now, that only works so long. I know everyone in this room, if you've been sincerely ever committed yourself to a task for the king, you have come to at some point where you burn out. And you go, gosh, this is... Uh, and, and the problem is because we don't have a conversation current, we don't understand why am I so upset. It's really great. When I learn to start asking questions, why am I mad? What am I feeling? Or when I get a feeling of fear, then to say, Father, do you feel that? Jesus, do you feel that? And of course he feels that. He's inside of me, in my heart. With the trepidations of my soul. And I kind of go, whoa, what do I do with this? How do I process? Because it's a conversation that allows me to go, what's happening? And sometimes, you know, the old saying, like today, we've got, Cammy stepped in to do the preschool about three months ago, so we've just got to get this, all the classes in place so that whenever families are coming, we have something. And, she said, and basically, now that she's old enough in the Lord, she doesn't really think anything she does is important. Neither do I. I don't do anything important. The important thing got done a long time ago. Um, one man submitted to the Father and was placed on a cross for my sake and now has been raised from the dead and I was raised with him and made alive together with him. So whatever I'm doing, it's all details. Your day is details. It's not the job you're in. It's not the wife you have. It's not the husband you're married to. It's not the kids you have to care for. It's not the country you have to live under or the administration you don't like or do like. It is not that. It's you. It's me. It's my soul. And every time with my being known and knowing God and knowing Jesus, you know, haven't you ever just really, really decided, I'm going to deal with that. It's time to deal with this thing. I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell the truth. But if the anger's there, I still remember. I've never done it since because I got caught so well as a young pastor, just seeing something going wrong in the church and it happening in an overt way. And I just thought, I'm going to give that person a call. I mean, that's my job, right? Keep the wolves out. You know, but how do you in the world, who do you know is a wolf? Some of the sheep that we have with wolves are in sheep clothing. You've got to follow their fruit. Tell the tree by its fruit what's life it brings. But anyway, I, I, I heard in my back of my little soul, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. I thought, oh, well, that doesn't, that's not about me because this is about an issue that's got to be dealt with. But God says, I don't care about the issue. I care about your heart. You're angry. You want to control. You want to use the law. You want to use some authority. I still get angry. I still do the same stuff, but, but not as, not as self-righteously. I'm aware. Oh, I'm in the flesh again. Oh, Father, please. Don't expect anything more. He goes, I don't. I don't expect any more out of you, but I expect perfection from my son. So submit to my son. Give it back to my son. You're not in control. You don't get to tell me what I want to be done. Prayer isn't to tell God what to do. Prayer is to submit to God for him to do what he wants to do with you. So I call on the phone. I get done, and I just broke everything. It just messed up. Relationships. Ah, because I was a Job friend. I thought, you know what? To get this thing right, we just got to set the thing right. We got to point out the error and make the truth stand. But you don't get to speak truth in the body unless you're so full of love. Until the love for that person 
is overwhelming you to that enemy that you just want so much for them to come into their blessing and have no 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 angst about that we really best not to speak best to pray because that I did that it just blew everything up so he says I've got power to lay down and then I know when it's time to step back now the reason most of us shut down I have shut down for years and I got to stop I've shut down for years is because I get the injustice of the death is so unfair. I mean, how I, I, after I made this perfect commitment to you, after I, I, I sold the farm and left everything to follow you, and what do I get? You didn't even notice. You didn't. It, it's like I was expecting some support here. Kim and I lived a whole season when we would be moan, Lord. Father, you missed a great opportunity to glorify your name. Here I was, all ready for you to deliver me. You could have been glorified. I had to give all the credit to you. I didn't know he wanted to kill me first. What's the use of a resurrection without a death? What's the use of a kingdom without a cross? What's the use of, of living an abundant life without being able to lay down the life? <laughs> this command I have received from my Father. Beloved, you're responsible for your own life before God. I am sorry. As much as you would like to blame your husband, when you get to heaven, you will never mention his name when you stand before Jesus. Or your wife. I promise you. You will not, you will not even mention his name or her name. You'll not mention the country. You'll not mention your gender. You'll not mention any excuse. You'll just stand there and go, oh. You are right. You're true. Fire burn. Burn. I'd rather be free from all of this debris and follow you. It will be horrifically, fearfully consuming the fire of God. Because our God is a consuming fire. That's why we're asking for grace to serve him and acceptable in, in reverence with godly fear. But I don't really free up. I mean, I know some of you aren't going to accept that, but your problem is you. My problem is me. It is not you, it's me. Isn't that crazy? You see, God is correct, collecting a whole group of individuals that have laid down their life un before Jesus, under the Father, and in, 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 uh, grow up before him so that he can liberate so many who have no freedom, no capacity to come into those moments. So, the, so he says, therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And some said, why are you listening to him? He has a demon. He's mad. Seriously. The idea of submission to overwhelm injustice is like, ooh, I can't even imagine that. But he said to the wives in 1 Peter chapter 3, Honey, if you're married to a guy who won't listen to the word, then you just go and be a gentle spirit, quiet, in reverence to me. And in that relationship with me, you'll start winning him over to the word. And if you don't know how to do it, follow Sarah, because she had a crazy husband. But she was, had fear of me. See, when you're afraid of God, you don't have to be afraid of anybody. Seriously. And if you know, the only person I don't want to upset is God in this situation. So whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Even I don't want to do it and don't like it and I'm afraid to do it. I'd rather fail in the midst of that and my fear come upon me than to just neglect you when you're interjecting. I want you to obey me here. I want you to trust me here. I want you to rely upon me here. And so to us in the religious world, and this is the religious world, that does not sound like kingdom dominion. Huh. Because how do you take dominion by laying down? Unless you understand the concept that if I go and be with my father, if I live this before my father, if I'm doing this before my Jesus, we're having a conversation. I'm submitted inside your word. I'm listening to what you're saying. You're dealing with me. See, why your life is miserable? Because God's trying to take some misery out of you. Misery loves company, so you'll always find somebody that'll agree with you. 
but the misery is me. It's the miser in me. Miser is the inner man of miserable. I'm protecting me. I got to protect me. I don't, no one else will take care of me. I got to watch out for me. Now, I'm not going to ever say that. So I'll just do it all. It's just, you know what it is. Like, come on, we've all lived there. When you sit there and go, well, God, I, I think I'm about to die, but I'm going to trust you anyway. You're getting toward that laying down your life. You're removing your own defense. Others said, these are words of him. As demon, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Uh, now, three months later, two months later, I was Feast of Tabernacles. Now we're in Hanukkah. Uh, it was the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah. It was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple, and the people are still contemplating this. He said, they come and they surrounded him. Imagine this. All this. How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus said, I told you. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The beloved, we are in the middle of being known. The journey on earth is to be known by God and to know him. Eternal life is to know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. If he does not have, if there's not conflict, where my soul is being exposed, my, where I'm having to, even though I'm afraid, I will trust you. If I'm not in that submission to to the Lord Jesus, accepting the truth. I'll justify all my actions, but I won't be being known. Being known by Jesus isn't where he comes and says, Steve, oh, you're just so wonderful. You're so perfect. Now, that's true in Christ. But in my flesh, in my mind set on the flesh, he's got to disengage that little roadside bomb. Right? How many of us know we have buttons? You would go all our life to control the buttons. Well, you just got to let the buttons be cut. The wire's cut. And it's so frightening. And so here's what I've learned. I'm going to know you, Steve. Okay. I know that I will enjoy the introduction. I'll languish in the transformation until I surrender to the truth of your word, and then I'll resurrect into transformation. And that'll go on and on. Sometimes it takes 15 seconds. Sometimes it takes 15 years. Sometimes I, I won't, you know. My mom passed away this Tuesday, and she's in glory, and it's, we're so happy. I am so happy as her son, because she's had dementia that's kept her from losing started losing her language eight years ago had to go into full-time memory care three and a half years ago she just had a strong constitution her body just would not go and we're all loving we don't have control over that nor would we want to control that we're just waiting so the three of three sons we would sit around and we tell mom we just thank you so much you you prayed me into the kingdom I said you gave me birth twice I love you, but we're okay. You can go when you want. And then I'd have to ask God, well, God, wait, why, why isn't she going? I mean, and then I would tell him, listen, I don't want to live like that. Just so everybody knows, on the record, I want to, you know, keep my faculties and keep my strength, and then let me sit on the chair and prophesy and then go. That's my desire. I don't know if I get it. And I have to go, well, I don't even understand why you're doing that. Why are you delaying? But you hold God hold, gave me my first breath, and he has my last breath. He knows the day I was born and the day I will die if he should tarry. He cannot alter that. No one can kill me before the time, and I can't keep my life longer than that time. So there's, there's a purpose in it. So uh, Christmas Eve, I was with my mom, and she was, she was good. She's like she was always, you know. She's totally out of it. She can't really communicate. She loved to be touched kissed and told, but she didn't know who I was for a long time. And it seemed like, okay, this is just going to keep going. But New Year's Eve, I was with her, 
and she was sitting in a chair just not coming out, just going into peace. And I'm going, well, maybe this is getting close. So that was what, Saturday. Then um, Monday, my brother uh, called and said, I just went to see mom, and she's having now trouble. It looks like this is getting close. And she's been on hospice for over a year and a half. And so you better, let's see her. And we were leaving Tuesday to go up to Mammoth. So I brought myself and one of the grandkids. We were doing, running errands, and we stopped by. And it happened, we were, three of us were there, all three, three brothers. Nobody, we hadn't planned this, we were just there. And we we're having a conversation, loving her, you know, we love you, we love you, and kiss. And then I have to run because I had to go do my errands. But I've had all my goodbyes, and, we're, and I'm not sure where this will be, but Cammie's asking the Lord, good Lord. What if he, she passes while we're gone? And I had to just, I had to give some, you know, the, my brothers had some concerns about what was, how this, you don't have to pick that up, it's fine. I knew it fell. I was trying to ignore it and so no one else would, but obviously that didn't work. But everybody knew it fell. In any case, thank you. Uh, so I had, to do, I had to delegate some ideas because they had thoughts that should, we had to, get resolved and I said well you can do it I don't I'm all good with it but I'm gone I've gone on vacation and I don't think I'm I know my mom wouldn't have told me to stay home so you can watch me take my last breath don't stay home to see me take my last breath plus please I mean seriously I, I live by the idea Jesus said let the dead bury the dead it's follow the life follow the life follow me what is that to you follow me follow me anyway that and I'd said all my goodbyes, and, we've, and I've been waiting for the Lord to grant her that celebration, that newness of life, the return of her faculties, the glorified, beautiful body she has, to see my dad, to be embraced by Jesus, to be given the rewards for everything she did. Yay, 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 yay. But Cammie's asking the Lord and said, Lord, what about this? And he said, perfect timing. So we drove up on Tuesday, took, went out and took the kids out skiing, and came back into the lodge, and uh, there was the text. Mom passed away to, into glory to be with the Lord at 2.30. And in my heart, I, I just was smiling, going, oh, bless you. Oh, thank you. This is perfect in your way. And, and so it was an oxymoron in some sense, but it's part of what we learn to do. We don't learn... We learn to be more connected to the heavenly truth of life than the natural truth. And since she had lost the faculties of enjoying the natural life, and we couldn't communicate, this was an easier let go. It's not, you know, it's a death where you grieve before the death and you celebrate the, free, the release more than you do. And on the 28th, we'll, we'll be doing her memorial. But that's my sheep hear my voice. I know them. You learn things by letting Jesus speak into the thing you're in. And sometimes the thing you're in, he wants to get a hold of you there before, more than he wants to get you out of it. We cry out, get me out. And he's crying, let me in. Open the door of your heart, let me in. So he says, I give them eternal life. I know them. They shall ne never perish. Neither will anyone snatch them out of my hand. The Father who has given me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch him out of my Father's hand. That's the destiny of our lives, to be in utter trust, complete confidence, resting. Yeah, we live in some miserable situations. Yeah, I'd like to change some things. Yeah, I'm afraid of a lot of things. Yeah, I don't think that was just. Yeah, I'd like to have something to say about that. And yeah, if I had my way, I'd just eliminate that person. But that's not my way. My way is like Jesus. Go lay down my life for that person. Trust God in the situation. Believe that he has a bigger plan in the middle of the moment. Don't try to deal with others. Deal with yourselves. Humble yourself. So that's, it's, once you get the rhythm of it, you really realize, lay down that soulish life, that issue that's bothering me, that attitude that I'm carrying, that offense that I'm living. Lay it down, then pick up life. New knife. Freedom. Joy. Let God point out that pride, that anger, that prejudice, that bigotry. Just let him get at it, because he's going to get at it. By the time we stand, we will not have anyone to point to. We will only be naked. 
and gloriously thankful that finally we can lay down the issues. And the ones that are being pulled up, they have to burn up. We meet heaven. It does not fit our imagery. It's God's kingdom. And I'm going to go, oh, wow. But the more we lay down our life, the more life is given to us. Eternal life, abundant life comes in the laying down of the soul life in situations and then picking it back up when you know at this point in time, I'm just being a martyr. There's no purpose in this. I'm trying to impress somebody. I'm waiting for a reward. I'm waiting for someone to thank me. It's not going to happen. Let's go back and talk to God. Jesus, what's going on? Why am I so angry? Well, because you're expecting this. Well, shouldn't I have it? No. You're my servant. Do it unto me. Really? You expect me to do this for you? Yes. Follow me. See, because without being known, you can't follow. Where he's taking you, we cannot go. He said that to Peter. He said, where I'm going, you can't come yet. You will come later, but you can't come yet. So this, oh, it's so, it's so awful and so awesome, so fearful and yet so wonderful. And imagine all of us as we start to go, well, I'm living where I am. I'm, I'm married to who I am. I got the kids that I got. I'm living in the house I'm living. I got the job I've got. I got the problems I carry. I got things I won't solve. I got the crosses I have to pick up every day so I can keep following. I can't resolve the conflict. I just got to follow him with the conflict engaged, the cross. But every time we have a moment again, less of me, more of him. More of him and less of me. There's more of you. There's abundant life in you. I don't have to be afraid. I'm going to be cared for however this turns out. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because my life is in your hands. And it, it's, it's, the, it's the journey of our life is to be liberated from the soulish life and to pick up the abundant eternal life. And he's, we're in it. We're in it. We're just so in it. You, you, the, all those, it changed my life and it made an unbearable life first bearable then I would retreat to discover who Jesus was in the scripture and live with him there. And then I began to realize that he really wasn't as concerned about my life as I was. He just kept saying, come on into my life. Come into my word. Come into who I am. No, those are issues that are concerns of yours, but I'm not concerned about them. And you start to just, it's that trust, that laying down, and you can, the rest starts to follow. And where you go, then I guess I go. That's where that old hymn came, I Surrender All. It isn't a song of salvation. It's a song of consecration, of sanctification. I surrender all. Because you're worth it all. And I don't understand it all. But I'm not going to be afraid of you other than I don't want to fa- fail you. But I'm not going to be afraid that I'll fail you because I don't have the ability to do what I'm going to do. I want to not fail you by resisting you. I accept you. And you get up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for this day. And thank you for my problems. And thank you for the situation I'm in. And thank you for the things that won't be resolved. And thank you that during the entire day, I'm going to live in the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I thank you. I, I give you praise. Then the Bible, the time with the Bible isn't a chore. It's your lifeline. It's your meal. It's your intimacy. It's being known. And you just go, oh, gosh, I wish I could just spend the rest of the day. And the Lord starts saying, well, we can. Let's, let's work on that. More time. Carry me with you now into the job. And then you go back to work, and the same injustice is happening, the same unfairness, the same wrongness. And when your flesh has been building up, and the group of people are all murmuring and complaining, the Lord says, no can't go there. That's not me. I don't act that way. Why don't you do a little extra work and help the person that's struggling? Why don't you pray for that supervisor that you think is unfair? And this kingdom thing starts breaking in. You're going, well, that's certainly not me. I'm the first to conspire with how to get rid of the person, and now you're telling me to intercede and bless them, and furthermore, to serve and work for them and do a better job. Whoa! That's the way God got us home. He had one man that was willing to do it all. Now he has a body. He's about to do it again. 
life, wherever we are, just to start letting life flow. Let life flow. Seriously, I'm the most impatient person I know. I get upset at Costco because I chose the wrong line. Seriously, you know, I mean, I'm not, this is not like my natural disposition. Natural disposition is very exacting. Super exacting. That's why I've had to be very exacted upon. Just the way God is. He says, that's who you are, then get some more of it. But now I started to release it and go, well, whatever. This is the line I've been chosen for me. <laughs> so you, 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 you're not fighting things as much. You're, and you're letting God into the situation. And you're releasing and you're thinking, well, there's so many people that don't even know you. And there's no peace in this place. Everyone's agitated. Let me see if I can just release righteousness, peace, and joy first within me. And then from without me begin to affect. And then when I get to the line that has the slowest clerk I've ever met in my life, I think they're reading the numbers rather than scanning them, I'm going to say, yeah, what a blessed day. What a blessed day. So good. Thank you so much for doing this. She said, thank you. And when I go to get the worst waitress, a waiter or server, and said, I'm going to give them the biggest tip. Because that's what you do. That's kingdom stuff. Turn things upside down. Show, overcome evil with good. Bless those who curse. That's who we are. There's no second kingdom. This is the kingdom. And we're all activated and we're all being trained. And, and if you can accept this today, you are exactly, I am, we are exactly where God ordained us to be. Married to who we're married to, kids that we have, whether we like them or not, exactly where we're supposed to be. So, Lord, let's stand. We've got to go. Thank you. You've been so patient. Jesus, we, we adore you. I absolutely adore you. I used to see you as that conquering king. But there's no conquering king without a suffering servant. One who would, under the father's or dish, charge, lay down his life and find the love that God had for him in laying down his life. I would ask you today to release Holy Spirit as you have promised in Romans 5, 5, pour out the love of God into our heart. The love that's promised through every trial, every testing, every conflict. Pour that love. I have found your love is real. It's greater than testing, sickness, disease, conflicts it overwhelms it drives out fear it gives a willingness confidence to rest in the midst of conflict Lord let the love pour it love pour your love into our hearts today just if you can just begin to thank the Lord for this transformation journey into abundant life that we're in turn around and read Re, re, let him imagine why am I here? It's just to free me from me, to deliver me from me. And he perfectly came up with a way to do it, and here I am. But the one who did it is Jesus. Because you did it, Jesus, we're going to make it. Because you're going to bring us into that eternal salvation through your great intercession. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. You see, you start rising above the circumstances. You start looking out from under the clouds. You come above, and there is heaven. There is goodness. Can you leave us? Jesus, I surrender all to Him.
to sing that second verse. I know we only know the first. All to Jesus I surrender you we are nothing and nothing less than more than conquerors in Christ Jesus as we surrender to you we are inseparable from the love of God that is in Christ for us and so we gladly choose you and ask that you would grace us and help us to enter in to that abundant life that you found in the Father and we lay down the life that we carry and pick up the life that you're offering and receive the love that you abide in, that we will now abide in, and grow it up in us so that you might be seen in us, through us, all around us, in places that we never would have imagined that you could be so evident and present. Be, you, be all the glory to you, Jesus. All the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.